0: My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. there welcome to the no content podcast my name is benjamin pace i hope you're having a wonderful august wonderful end of your summer if you didn't know this already there's a lot of good end of summer sales out there so uh you know go go uh go get you some go get you some jeans half off you know that may may be a word from the lord i don't know i can't i'm not promising that i'm just saying it's it's possible you know that's at least some wisdom for you um or maybe that is just a great way to start this podcast, while I'm while I'm getting getting uh, the the train rolling here, as it were. Um, but anyway, today is uh, is a special podcast, and I want to talk about um, a, a topic, a subject that I like to call guilt by association. Guilt by association. Now, this is a legal term. You may have heard this term before. Maybe, maybe you were watching law and order. I wish I had a good law and order sound effect right there, but I'm not going to take the time to do it. Dun, dun. That was not very good, but it got us by. Um, uh, It's something that, you know, say there's a young teenage person and they're driving in the car with their friend and they didn't know their friend had, you know, some paraphernalia on them or something like that. And then, so because they're with their friend, they get arrested. Why? Because of guilt. By association, maybe they weren't doing anything wrong. Maybe they weren't, you know, the person that had something in their possession, but because they were with this person, they got they partook of the of the judgment, (laughs) you could say, of that person. And, you know, if you look up different states, you see that there are different laws about this. And I think there are some people who have changed these laws. And and I'm in support of that because I I don't like the idea of somebody going to jail because they just happen to be with the wrong person or whatnot. Because a lot of times you just don't know. But I will say this. That is a reason to be led about who you hang out with. But that's a whole nother thing. And I know what a lot of people are probably thinking. They probably think that, oh, I know what this podcast is going to be about. This is going to be about how you shouldn't hang out with the wrong crowd. You need to choose your friends wisely. You need to be careful about hanging out with the wrong crowd. Well, I've talked about that some in the past, and there's definitely some, some good Bible truths about knowing who to join yourself to and knowing who to associate with on a regular basis and be influenced by, certainly. But that's not the direction we're going to go on this podcast, uh, not by a long shot. Um, let's get started. And uh, it's going to be good. Let me pray in the beginning here. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to minister your word. I thank you, Father, that you've given me words to speak that will feed people good, spiritual, nourishing food, Father God. And I know that that is from you. I know it's from your anointing and from your spirit. And Father, I rely completely on the help of the Holy Spirit to feed your sheep today. And I just thank you for helping me to say exactly what needs to be said. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's start here with Proverbs 29 and verse 25. It says this, The fear of man brings a snare. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoso trusts in the Lord... Shall be safe. Those who trust in the Lord, the Bible said they'll, it, it, the Hebrew there, the margin says they'll be set on high. In other words, they are put up in a lofty place, they are set in a safe place away from danger. I, I don't know why this is what comes to my mind, but if you've ever seen any of the King Kong movies, um, there's this one particular scene where there's like some dinosaurs or something that are trying to get to the girl. And in order to keep her safe, King Kong puts her up in a high place away from where these creatures can get to her so he can have a fight with these creatures and defeat them. But he, he put her on high. He set her in a high place. Why? So she'd be safe. And that's the picture that's being painted here. God is setting you up in a high place a safe place away from danger. But he said, it's going to happen from you getting free from the fear of man and you being separated from a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world, the dangerous stuff, it's going to happen because you got free from the fear of man. Amen. Now, Uh, I want to tell this story here in the beginning, and and this is kind of a funny story. And I thought about this just in talking about the fear of man, I think I've told this story before, but there's a story of an, an old man and his grandson. And they were, uh, on a trip to town. I think this is, you know, the story is set in, in much older times, you know, before electricity and things of that nature. And they're, they're riding a mule to town. And I believe as the story goes, the old man is leading the donkey and the young grandson is sitting on top of the donkey and they're on their way to town. And along comes this traveler and he, and he just whispers under his breath, but loud enough so you could hear him. He says, you know, that's just a shame for that young, strong boy to be sitting on that donkey while that old man has to walk. And the old man heard it and he thought about it. And he, and so instead he takes the young boy off. And he has the young boy lead the donkey, and he sits on the donkey. And they rode a few miles, and after a while, uh, somebody else came along, and they kind of sneered at them and and said, that's so awful for that old man to be making that little boy walk like that while he rides. And the old man thought about that for a while. So finally, he he had a bright idea. He said, okay, well, we're both going to ride the mule. Nobody can speak against that, right? So he picks up the young boy, sets him on the mule, And they're both riding the mule. And after a while, a traveler comes along and makes a dirty face at them and says under his breath, how cruel of that old man and that boy to put so much weight on that mule. He can't handle all that weight and walks off. And as the story goes, by the time that the young man and the boy got into town, they could be seen both carrying the mule. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I like that story because it's such a picture of the fear of man. Cuz here's the thing. I could do a whole other podcast on how there is a time for us to do everything we can to be at peace with men, to to do everything we can to avoid strife, to not fight with people over things, over inheritances, over over things that really are trivial. Even even at great Humility at great expense, doing what we can to avoid strife. This is so important. But listen to me, there is going to come a time for each one of us where we're going to come to a crossroads and we are going to have to decide, am I going to please men or am I going to obey God? Now, this is going to happen. It happened to Jesus. And Jesus said, a disciple is not above his master. And the fear of man will bring a snare. Now, avoiding strife should be and is a motivation of love, not fear. Me choosing to love somebody, even though they're being difficult, is not me being afraid of them. It's actually me loving them. But the big difference is the motivation being love or fear. See, if love's your motivation, you'll go out of your way to be at peace. But if fear's your motivation you'll try and try and try to please men until you finally figure out they're always going to have a problem with you if you try to obey God. (laughs) Somebody always going to have a problem with you. And so at some point, you have to get to the point where you say, Lord, I'm trying to please you. I'm seeking to please you, not people. I love people, but I'm seeking to please you. And there's some other truths here that Paul talked about when it comes to the phrase people-pleasing. And I'll get into that in another time. But I wanted to lay that as a foundation as we get into the rest of this podcast. Now, over in Genesis 12 is where we'll start. And you say, Ben, I thought we just started. No, that was just the introduction. Now, this is the actual start of the podcast. Amen. It says this in Genesis 12, verse 10. It's talking about Abram before he became Abraham. And it says, Now there was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Now, listen, now, listen, <laughs> he, he's got he, he had a good start. You know, he's, he's not doing bad so far. You know, you know, one man said to a woman one time, I'm, I'm not very good talking to women, especially women as beautiful as you. And, and she said back, you're doing all right so far. <laughs> you know, I read that in a book recently. But anyway, he's, he starts out well here. You know, he said, you're a beautiful woman, Sarah. He said, therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say this is his wife. And they'd be right. And they will kill me and they will let you live. Please say you are my sister that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. What's he saying here? He's saying we're going to pretend that you're something that you're not. Because I'm afraid of what the Egyptians are going to do to me because of you, because you're beautiful. They're going to want you. Now, this is when she was a younger woman. Now, we'll see this again later. This happened again, though, when she was older. Well, we'll see this as a theme in the Old Testament that the blessing, the blessing on people's lives made them attractive even in their older age. Come on, somebody needs to reach out by faith and take that. <laughs> you know, we see that with the Old Testament, that that even in their older years, they were still attractive to the people around them. Not that you're trying to attract other people, but being attractive even in your older age, that's a part of the blessing. And uh, so anyway, that's a whole other thing. But. He's saying, just, just don't tell them that we're married. You know, we are married. I love you, baby. But just don't, don't we're just not going to broadcast it. We're not going to let everybody know. Because I don't know what they're going to do to me if they find out. What is this? This is the fear of man. It says, so it was when they came into Egypt that the Egyptians did see the woman, that she was very beautiful. And the princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended, commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And he treated Abram well for her sake. So Abraham's getting uh, the good end of this deal so far. And he treated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, all this stuff. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with the great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. So what's the problem here? Abraham is fearing man rather than trusting in the Lord. Because what is the Lord revealing here? That... God has Abraham's back in this, and there was no need for Abraham to be afraid of these Egyptians, because whether they thought she was beautiful or not, if they tried to mess with Sarah, I guess what was going to happen? Exactly what happened. God was going to take care of it. But see, he feared man rather than trusting in the Lord. And it said that he said, what is this you have done to me, Abram? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I may have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So you see what's happening here. Abraham did no favors to these other people by lying to them. You never do a favor to somebody by lying to them. Even if you think you did, you didn't. Because the truth is going to come out. And It's better for the truth to come out in the beginning than like this, because it almost got Pharaoh killed. And so he's saying, why didn't you tell me? A lot of times, you know, people are afraid of things and they shouldn't be. Because here's the thing. If Abraham would have just been honest about the fact that Sarah was his wife, then they would have left her alone. But he was thinking more of himself than he was his wife. Instead of considering her, considering the fact that I'm supposed to protect her. I mean, do you think she wanted to be uh, taken to some strange man's bed? No, excuse my, my directness there. But this is this is a, a, putting her in a, a bad position. Why? Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what they're going to do to me. And God was not okay with this. Now, he had mercy on Abraham. But God things, took things into his own hands. And he said, don't you touch her, Pharaoh. And what we see in this is that Abraham, or Abram at this time, did not need to be afraid to tell the truth, <laughs> to be associated with his wife. Do you see this? Abraham hid his relationship with Sarah because he was afraid of how men would respond to it. He was afraid of his guilt By association. (laughs) He was afraid that his association was going to put him in danger. But what did the Bible tell us? Those who trust in the Lord will be kept safe. Uh, Watch this over in Genesis 20. We're skipping ahead now. We see the same thing happened again. Uh, Apparently, Abraham, like us, had to experience things more than once to finally learn. And it says, Abraham journeyed uh, to the certain place. And he said again to Sarah, his wife. Uh, about Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, indeed, you are a dead man (laughs) because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. See, God is displaying how Abram should have been. Oh, come on, do you see this? God is, the way God is being in this situation, this is how Abraham should have been. He should have been more protective over his wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet and he will pray for you and you shall live. So we see here in this situation that God had mercy on Abimelech, but Abraham was putting him in a position to get judged. Why? Lying. Being afraid to claim his association. He's affecting other people negatively. Do you see this? By this being ashamed of his wife. Now, this isn't like, oh, I'm ashamed of you, like I'm embarrassed by you. It's it's a fear-based distancing, disassociation. Do you see this? And it's affecting him, it's affecting his wife, and it's affecting Abimelech, who's an innocent man. Why? Because he is allowing this disassociation, this fear, to cause him to distance distance himself. So we see this happened, you know, um, this time, and uh, we see that this got passed down to Isaac. Now, this is something that you have to understand, is that when you yield to spirits of fear and you don't deal with them, you can open a door for your kids to have to deal with them. Now, your kids are going to have to deal with things in either way, but you don't want to make it harder on them by, by you yielding to things that are going to try to gain access into their life from what you yielded to. And this is why it's important to deal with these things early on. But we see that this this same thing happened with Isaac. Genesis 26, verse 6, it said, Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of the place asked about his wife, and he, he said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say, She is my wife. Now, where did this fear come from? He inherited this fear from his father. Now, Abraham did a lot of things right. But this is one of the things that we're supposed to learn from that he did not do right. And it said, he said, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to behold. Now, again, we see this. The blessing was on these guys' wives. They were beautiful. But he said, now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So this is the same guy. He dealt with this with Abraham and now he's dealing it with it. With Isaac. And he it says he looked through a window and saw and there was Isaac the uh, showing endearment to Rebecca, his wife. Now, the King James <laughs> says he was sporting with his wife and they weren't playing cricket. You know what I'm saying? They weren't they weren't they weren't out here, uh, you know, playing playing dodgeball or, you know, uh, this is another kind of sporting that he's talking about here. And it said that Abimelech called Isaac and said, quite obviously, uh, she is your wife. (laughs) I like that. That's funny. Quite obviously. So whatever sport they were playing here was making it obvious that they were married. So we'll just leave it at that. He said, uh, Isaac said, because I said, lest I die on account of her. And Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife and you would have been brought. You would have brought what? What? Guilt. On us, He said you would have brought guilt on us. Why? Because you were ashamed of your association. Now, Isaac is afraid of men killing him for his wife, and he almost brought guilt on them. So it's kind of funny that I called this podcast guilt by association, because in this situation, he almost brought guilt on somebody else by his disassociation. I almost could have called this a guilt by disassociation, you know, but I've already named it. So we won't change that now. But well, we see this with both Abraham and Isaac in this incident uh, with, with them being ashamed of their wives. And what's interesting about this is that both of these things happened after God had blessed them. I'm going to say that again. These, these events, these scenarios happened after God had blessed them. And they feared man rather than reverencing the blessing that was on their life. And they were afraid of what men would do to them on behalf of their association, their relationship with their wife. Do you see this? Now, this is just a foundation that I'm laying in the Old Testament. And now we're going to go over to the New Testament and see some more examples of this. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, kind of like Abimelech, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. He was minded to put her away secretly. Why? It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So why would he be minded to put her away secretly? Well, why would the angel tell him not to be afraid? Because apparently, before, he was afraid to take Mary as his wife. Why would he be afraid to take Mary as his wife? Who would he be afraid of? He's afraid of what people are going to think. Why? Because he said to not make her a public example and to put her away secretly. He's not afraid of God, because God would know and see whether he did that or not. He's trying to hide this situation from people, and he's dealing with a fear of what people are going to think, what the public is going to think about this situation. And the angel said, don't be afraid to be associated with her. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Don't be afraid of what people think. Why? Because that, oh, come on, which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? He said, don't have more reverence for what people think than you do for the manifestation of God's goodness and glory and blessing in this situation. Do you see this? He's being more focused on what people think than he is on the anointing, the blessing, the obvious presence of God that is marking this relationship. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm going somewhere with this. But this is a divine connection. It's a divine connection and the angel is saying, don't be afraid of what people think. Pay more attention to the fact that the Holy Spirit is all up in this thing. Do you see this? And he was, he was afraid in the beginning, but we see that Joseph was a good man. And he, he had a part in one of the absolute most important events that have ever taken place on this earth. Because he refused to be ashamed of Mary. He refused to hide his relationship with Mary. And he got to be a part of something precious. One of the most precious things he could have been a part of. Now, Mark 8 verse 34 says this, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You see that he's correcting people's value system here. And he goes on to say, For whoever is ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Now, I, I, if you have some questions about this, I'm not going to get into it right now. Uh, look at my podcast about fire insurance that I did a couple weeks ago, and I, I got into some things about this verse. But the thing I want to point out to you in this is this idea of being ashamed of Jesus. Why would you be ashamed of Jesus? Is there temptation to be ashamed of Jesus? What does shame have to do with guilt? But not guilt before God, guilt before men. Men finding you guilty of something, even if God says it you're righteous. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus is righteousness. He's the reason we can be righteous. He's the reason we've been made righteous in him. And yet... There's this earthly version of shame and guilt that comes from what? Being associated with Jesus. And listen, you know what I'm talking about because you felt that pressure before, that pressure to distance yourself from Jesus in the presence of people you knew didn't agree with that or didn't like that. This distancing, we got to watch out about this. Being ashamed of Jesus distancing yourself from jesus listen that's the last thing you ever want to do is distance yourself or disassociate yourself with jesus because it's the fact that i'm in him that i have anything in christ that i have it's my relationship with jesus it's my connection with jesus it's my abiding in jesus that makes me different (laughs) that does what keeps me safe it's my trust in the lord That sets me on high, not my fear of man. But if I disassociate myself, I'm putting myself in a position to not be protected, not because he's not willing to protect me and to keep me, but I am opening a door to the enemy by my fear of man and disassociation with him. Do you see this? And this is something we have to understand is that being ashamed of what is of God is the same as being ashamed of God. Because if God is doing something or God is saying something and I distance myself from that, I'm what am I doing? I'm distancing myself from God. I'm distancing myself from Jesus. And if I distance myself from people that God has joined me to, That's actually me being ashamed of what God is doing. So it's actually being ashamed of him. Do you see that? Now I'm laying a foundation here. We're going somewhere. John 12, verse 42, talking about some of the Pharisees, it says, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. They believed. They believed that God was in him. They believed that God was on him. They knew there's something special here god is doing something here and yet because of the pharisees they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue for they loved the praise of man more than the praise of god oh come on do you see this they believed they saw god on him they saw god in him but they distanced them they distanced themselves excuse me from Jesus. They wouldn't confess him because they were afraid of what people were going to do to him. This is the same picture of what we saw in Genesis, this fear of man rather than trusting in the Lord. And oftentimes you will have to choose between God's best and man's opinion. I want to say it again. Oftentimes you will have to choose between God's best and man's opinion. And you'll have to choose between God's blessing and or man's praise. You'll have to choose between God's anointing or man's title. (laughs) This is a truth that we see throughout the word. Now, let me read this to you in John 18, verse 15, talking about Simon Peter. And it said, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest. And went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. I like that. He went with Jesus into the courtyard. But Peter stood at the door outside. Why? Lack of confidence. He, he's already showing evidence of distancing himself from Jesus. John went right in. But Peter's standing on, out at the door. He, he's not, at this point, he hasn't denied Jesus But he's just, I'm just going to wait outside. You know, I'll I'll, I'll be here. I'll be here. I'm just, oh, hey, you know what? I got to run to the restroom real quick. I'll just, I'll be back. And he's beginning to yield to this fear of man and this earthly guilt that's causing him to distance himself from Jesus. And it says that he stood outside and the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, and we see why Peter was afraid now, and this is why he was avoiding people. <laughs> he said, You are not also one of his this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now, skipping down to verse 25, it says, Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it again and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, (laughs) which he probably wouldn't have too much favor with that person, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter denied again and immediately a rooster crowed. So something we see this in another account, it talks about how Peter cursed and said, I don't know him. He cursed and said, I don't know him. Peter is yielding to this shame of knowing Jesus. And, and watch what happens. He immediately opens the door to the curse. See, this has to do with when it talks about he who trusts in the Lord will be safe, but the fear of man brings a snare. Because, let me say it to you like this, because he's beginning to be ashamed of the blessing, he's opening a door to the curse. And it's evidenced in what's coming out of his mouth. Cursing. He's cursing. Why? Because he's opening a door to condemnation. And condemnation is not just feeling bad. Condemnation has to do with uh, the law of sin and death trying to work. And this is why the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And so he's being ashamed of Jesus, and it's evidenced in this cursing coming out of his mouth you know, Joseph didn't know it, but if he had been ashamed of Mary, he would really have been ashamed of Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because it was for Jesus' sake that Mary was pregnant, even though she was a virgin. Do you see that? He didn't realize it, but being ashamed of Mary would have caused him to have been ashamed of Jesus. This goes back to what I was saying, that when you are ashamed of what is of God, you're actually being ashamed of God. And, you know, a lot of us would agree that we don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. But a lot of times we have to fight the temptation to not distance ourselves from the people that we know are of God because of what other people think of them, to distance ourselves from ministries who we know are of God and God is in them. But because we know how other people see that ministry, we really don't want to be associated with them. They're of God, right? God's in them, God's on them, but we don't want to associate with them. You got to watch out about that kind of stuff. Now, now, you know, uh, over in Romans, um, over in Romans, I'll read this real quick. uh, Chapter one, verse 15, it says, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek. Why is Paul not ashamed of the gospel? Why is he ready to preach the gospel? Because he cares about other people. He cares about how it's going to affect other people to hear the gospel. And he's saying, I don't have time to be ashamed of the thing that I know other people need. I don't have time to be ashamed of this revelation of the gospel that I know other people are counting on, whether they realize it or not. I'm more interested in their freedom than I am in other people's opinion. And he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of it. And, uh, this is something that we have to come back to in anything that we're doing. Our motivation has to be love, not fear. And if our motivation is going to be love, that's going to come from us trusting in the Lord rather than being afraid of man. Now I know I'm going through a lot of scriptures, but I want to I want to get somewhere here. And besides that, scripture is great. First um, Peter four verse fourteen says this: If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Now I talked about just a second ago being ashamed of the blessing. He said, "If you're reproached." for the name of Christ, what does that mean? I'm being reproached, I'm being accused, I'm being persecuted, but it's for the sake of Christ because I'm refusing to distance myself from Jesus and what is of Jesus. I'm refusing to distance myself from God and what is of God, what God is doing this connection that God's making or this revelation that God has given me, like Paul talked about with the gospel. If I'm refusing to do that and I'm being spoken against or accused or reproached, he said, I'm blessed. Oh, come on. The blessing is going to manifest. Even if man is trying to make you feel guilty for what God is doing. Do you see this? the blessings in manifestation. And if I won't be ashamed of Jesus and what Jesus is doing, I'm going to experience the blessing regardless of what man is saying. And he goes on to say this, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a busybody body in other people's matters. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. matter. Let me say it to you like this. If the blessing added it to you, don't be ashamed of it. If it's of him, don't deny it. If he is not ashamed of it, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. If it came out of a manifestation of the blessing, the anointing, if God did it, if it's a manifestation of the blessing, don't be ashamed of it. Let's see an example of this um, in the Gospel of John, verse 9. And uh, I don't have it ri- uh, written down, so I'm going to turn there. John chapter 9. Oh, I'm excited about this. We're going somewhere good. John chapter 9, in um, about verse 18, this is an account where he healed, Jesus healed a blind man. And it says in verse 18 uh, about this blind man that had been healed. It says the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son. And that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who has opened his eyes? We don't know. He is of age. Ask him and he shall speak for himself. What are they saying? You talk to him, we're going to wait in the car. You talk to him, we're going <laughs> to him, we're gonna wait outside. We're going to go down to the cafeteria. Y'all talk about this. Why? It says these words spake his parents because they feared the Jews for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age. Ask him. Then again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know that I was blind and now I see. And you you see that this man goes on to just absolutely disregard any fear of these men and just basically praise Jesus right in front of them. Why? Because he's just received his sight. And they ended up putting him out of the synagogue. He was not ashamed of Jesus. He he had just met Jesus and yet he was not ashamed of them. He knew, listen, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why you're calling him a sinner. But this can't be what you say it is, because I've just experienced the blessing. I've just experienced a miracle, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'll tell you, and I'm going to tell anybody else I can. He's not ashamed. But his parents, on the other hand, they were afraid of the Jews. Now, their son, who has been blind for decades, just got healed. And they're more concerned about what people are going to think. Are you hearing me? Their son just got healed of a lifelong blindness, something that in the natural cannot be cured. And they're more concerned about what people are going to do to them because of their association with Jesus. They were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. They were afraid of being kicked out of the country club because anybody who says that Jesus is the Christ is going to get put out, even though they're seeing a miracle. They're seeing God do something supernatural in this. God's all over it. He's all in it. And yet they're more concerned about what their friends in the temple are going to think. And they're more afraid about what the religious leaders are going to do to them. Fear of man. (laughs) Fear of man. And they're, they're disassociating with this whole situation because they're afraid. And they don't want to associate with Jesus. This is just an example of what we're talking about here. You got to watch out about this. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of what is of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of what is of the Lord. Now, in the last part of this podcast, just a few more minutes here, I want to get into this last part of what I'm saying. Genesis chapter 2, I'm sorry, not Genesis, Galatians chapter 2, excuse me. Galatians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, Paul's talking, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself fearing those who were of the circumcision. He, he feared those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, oh, come on, you see this? Being straightforward about the truth of the gospel. What did Paul say he was not ashamed of? the gospel. And this is affecting other people. They're not being straightforward. They're not being just blunt about it. (laughs) What? We're about to see this in the book of Acts, but this divine connection that God made between Peter and the Gentiles. And we'll get more into this in a second. We'll see this in the book of Acts. But he, he said, they're not straightforward about the truth. So I said to Peter before them all, if you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews, who, were, who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles? He, he's calling Peter out on distancing himself from this divine connection with the Gentiles because they're not practicing Jewish law. And, and we see this later. It wasn't required for them to be circumcised. But he's distancing himself from them. And there's a blessing on this connection. We'll see this in the book of Acts. There's a blessing on this. There's a divine connection here. These are new believers in the Lord. They need somebody to disciple them. They need somebody to preach the word to them. And yet Peter is becoming more concerned in this scenario. We're not judging him. we're, We're judging ourselves. But God gave us this account for a reason. Peter is distancing himself. We talked about Peter earlier. He's distancing himself from this divine connection because of what people think. And God is doing something here. He's trying to help these Gentiles. He's trying to get them fed spiritually. He's trying to get them discipled. And this is one of the reasons why Paul was so strong about this and just calling him out. You know, we also see that there are Jewish believers who obviously had a negative opinion about this. Is it possible for a believer to have a negative opinion about something that God is doing because they don't understand it? Yeah. (laughs) And this is why I said this before. you got to be careful about despising things. Maybe you don't know everything that's going on there, but if somebody's telling you something that the Lord's talking to them about, unless it's just blatantly against Scripture and off-the-wall crazy, Well, there's a time to be like, well, hold on a second, (laughs) you know, but if somebody's sharing with you, you know, I feel like the Lord's, you know, put a dream in my heart to go to Africa one day and be a missionary. Listen, don't, don't despise that. What if that's the Lord? Now, it may not be the Lord. It may have just been something they thought of, but you don't know that. And that could be a seed of something that God's going to do in their life in the future. And it could affect many people being saved or are delivered but you see that what Peter did affected Barnabas. Peter's disassociation affected Barnabas and Barnabas began to distance himself from something. Now this is true of divine connections. This is also true of your calling and your spiritual gifts. If somebody despises something or despises a gifting or despises you saying, I feel called to this, and that causes you to distance yourself from that thing because of what they think, that's kind of serious. <laughs> I'm not trying to be too sober here, but listen, all I know is I don't want to do that. And I've asked the Lord to help me not to do that. We've got to be careful about that kind of stuff. Let me give you an example of what I mean. My buddy, Jesse Finley, I know you, you listen to the podcast, Jesse, and you're probably hearing this, but I'm going to give Jesse a shout out. Jesse has had a lot of favor in the, in the field of gun training. Now, a lot of people in a lot of different circles, even in the church, would, without even thinking about it, attack that. Oh, no, 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 no. Christians shouldn't have anything to do with guns. Jesus said he who lives by the sword will die by the sword. And I did a whole podcast on that. There's a big difference between living with the sword and living by the sword. But I know that Jesse's had a lot of favor in the area of gun training and he's actually, the Lord has promoted him and he's made divine connections with people in that arena because he had a vision on his heart about that. And the Lord has blessed him in that field, in the area of gun training. But how many people? Would be quick to despise it and assume, oh, no, God didn't deal with you about that. You're not supposed to do that. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be doing this and this and this and this and this. Well, hold on a second there. Do you know that? (laughs) Do you know that God didn't deal with him to do that? Because here's the thing. There are divine connections that Jesse is making in that field that I can't make necessarily. There are people he's reaching that I can't reach. And that that other people can't reach. And God cares more about those people being connected to somebody like Jesse, who's full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit and knows the Word. Why? Because he's thinking about those connections, those people. But what if Jesse listened to the people's negative opinions and backed off of what the Lord's been dealing with him to do? What if he backed off of it? Because he's afraid of what people are going to think about it. Of what people would accuse him of then he would be neglecting those connections. He would be neglecting those people that God's trying to reach. And that's what's happening here with Peter. Don't be quick to despise something just because you don't understand it. Now, if it's blatantly sin and off the wall and wrong, that's one thing. But if it's just something that you don't know about, hey, if you have a negative opinion, but you don't know that that's blatantly wrong, just stay quiet about it. But don't be quick to despise things. Why? Because you could be trying to get people to be ashamed of something that's from God. you got to be careful about that kind of stuff. We all have to be careful about this. This is something I'm asking the Lord to help me with. Lord, help me to be careful about what I say and how I say it in response to people sharing their vision with me or their dreams with me. It's something we need to be aware of. Now, I'm almost done here. Uh, 2 Timothy one 15 through 15-17 says this. Paul's talking And he said, this, you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Philegius and Hermogenus. What in the world? Who named these people? You know what? Hermogenus. Listen, I don't don't know what I'm going to name my kids one day, but I can tell you what I'm not going to name them. And what I'm not going to name them is Philegius and (laughs) Hermagenus. Anyway, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, Onesiphorus, I think that's what it is, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. He's not distancing himself from Paul. He's not avoiding Paul. He's not waiting in the car. He earnestly sought Paul out. And why would somebody be ashamed of somebody's chains? because they're afraid that those chains are going to become my chains if I get associated with you. They're afraid of guilt by association. But Onesiphorus wasn't afraid. In the Amplified, it says that he often showed me kindness and ministered to my needs, comforting and reviving and bracing me like fresh air. (laughs) Like fresh air. He was not ashamed of my chains and imprisonment, The Passion Translation says, he was like a breath of fresh air to me and never seemed to be ashamed of my chains. Listen, when everyone else is ashamed of you, it's refreshing when someone comes along who isn't. Now, in this case, it was because Paul was doing right and Paul was preaching the gospel. But, you know, this is also true if you've done something wrong and messed up. If everyone else is distancing themselves from you, ashamed of you, don't want anything to do with you, Somebody else who comes along and just isn't ashamed to be seen with you, it's a blessing. This happened with Brother Jim Baker. Back in the day when he went through some stuff that he went through, and there were some scandals and things of that nature, um, Billy Graham and Ruth Graham took him under their wing. They, they blessed him. They, they sewed into his life. They ministered to him. They didn't distance themselves from him. And that's one of the reasons why he's still in ministry today. Now, whatever your opinions are about that, I'm not interested in, but the fact is those are people of God. They weren't ashamed. They weren't ashamed of them. You see this? And that's refreshing. <laughs> it's like a breath of fresh air, not being ashamed of somebody, even when they mess up, even when they, uh, you know, had something go wrong. And, and listen, Paul is calling out Peter because he's distancing himself from these new baby Christian Gentiles. You think they still had some problems in the flesh? Of course they did. But that's why they needed Peter. That's why they needed a mature Christian to come in and help them and teach them and help them grow. And listen, I don't have time to be afraid of what other people who are supposed to be mature Christians think of me when I'm more concerned about ministering to somebody else who needs the word, who uh, who needs to be ministered to, who needs to be built up in their spirit. Even if they're struggling in something, even if they don't have all their ducks in a row, that's especially a reason why I'm not going to distance myself from them. Because God cares about them. And I'm not going to be ashamed of this good news that has the power to transform their life. Do you see this? Last scripture, uh, Acts chapter 10 Acts chapter 10, and we'll see this account of when Peter uh, first got a revelation from the Lord about the Gentiles. Acts chapter 10, um, it says this in verse 1, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Now, I don't know exactly what they sounded like, but I'm guessing that they played Italian music, but the Bible doesn't say exactly That was a little Bible joke for you. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. And he saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. And call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he lodged with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And he will tell you what you are are to do. He will tell you what you ought to do. So God is connecting Cornelius with Peter right here. Why? Because Cornelius needs the gospel. He needs the word ministered to him. He loves God, but he doesn't know about all these things that Peter knows. And so God's like, go talk to Peter, Peter knows. And so he goes and uh, he sends somebody to Peter. And we see that at the same time, Peter was about to eat lunch and it said that he was about to eat and he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him that said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So God is dealing with Peter about doing something, and Peter is saying, Oh, no, Lord, I can't do that. Now, how stupid is that? And <laughs> I'm not judging Peter. I've done this too. But the Lord just said, do it. <laughs> this shows how legalism and religion can keep you from obeying the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God's trying to, to help somebody. He's trying to get help to somebody. And it says, the voice spoke unto him again the second time. What God has cleansed, don't call common. What God has cleansed. Don't call common. In other words, don't despise what God is saying is blessed. Oh, come on. Did you, did you hear that? Don't despise what God is called blessed. Don't be ashamed of it. Amen. And this was done three times. And the Bible talked about how Peter doubted in himself what the vision should mean. And around this time, the people that Cornelius had sent um, came and they asked for Peter. And it says that the spirit said unto Peter, uh, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, and go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now, why would he need to tell Peter to go doubting nothing? Because this is new territory and it would be tempting to doubt. (laughs) Am I sure I'm doing the right thing here? Am I sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here? And God said, go and don't doubt doubting nothing. This is of me. Go with them. And so uh, he goes to Cornelius house without reading the whole thing and he ministers the word of God and he doesn't get five minutes into a sermon and the Holy Spirit falls and they all get filled with the spirit and start speaking with other tongues and minister to and, and built up. And so this is what I believe the beginning of the connection that Paul later addresses with Peter in Galatians 2. And this is is why God was so serious about this thing, because this is a divine connection. God is doing something here. And this was the thing that Peter was tempted to be ashamed of. But here's the thing. If you go on to read this whole passage, and I won't read the whole thing, you see that the Jews began to question Peter about this. And they said, why are you eating with these Gentiles? Why are you doing with all this? Why are you doing that? Why are they saying this? Because a legalistic mentality is taking this thing at face value and saying, well, we don't know what's going on here, but all we know is you're not supposed to eat with Gentiles, period. And you see that they address this with Peter, and Peter begins to tell this whole story. Peter begins to tell this whole testimony. He's like, look, listen. I was chilling on the roof, minding my own business. I was about to have a hot pocket, and all of a sudden I fall into a trance. And the the, the spirit says this to me and they came to my door and we went there and I started to preach and the Holy Ghost fell. They spoke with other tongues. What do you want me to do? <laughs> and after they heard, they suddenly changed their mind and they said, "You know I think this is God. (laughs) I think this is of God. I I had my doubts in the beginning, but I think this is of God. Why? What's happening here? God is giving Peter a brand new revelation that rubbed up against religion and, as some people might, might say, holy cows. And yet this is foundational to the gospel itself. Because without this, you and me wouldn't be saved. Without this this revelation that God is pouring out His Spirit on the Gentiles as well, listen, you and me would not have the Holy Spirit. This is big. This is the gospel. And by Peter distancing himself from these people because of Jews who had a negative opinion, what's happening? He's being ashamed of the gospel you see this? Because if you're ashamed of what is of God, that's the same as being ashamed of God. And this is why Paul called him out on it. Now, thankfully, we know Peter got it right, and you and me can get it right too. But this is a divine connection. And what's more, this is a a revelation. And Peter had to be determined, I'm not going to be ashamed of this revelation. Why? Because there are people waiting on me to get free from the fear of man, so I can preach this thing that the word is showing me, that the Holy Spirit is showing me. And I know it's going to rub up against religion, but people need freedom. And I'm I'm going to preach this thing so they get free because I care more about the gospel than I do about pleasing people. Do you see this? I care more about these baby Christians getting the word and getting the help that they need than I do about making religious people comfortable. (laughs) Now we want them to get free too. We love them too. But that's why the motivation always has to be love and not fear of man. Do you see what I'm saying here? The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be safe, will be blessed. And there are kingdom connections, kingdom assignments Revelations of the word that god wants to bring out But i'm telling you what like jesus like peter like paul Not everybody's always going to like him Not everybody is going to agree with you about them all the time And you have to make up your mind I love people and i'll do anything I can to avoid strife But i'm not living to please people i'm living to please jesus i'm living to please god And if I can do both I will But he's first place. And no matter what happens, I'm not going to be ashamed of Jesus. And I'm not going to be ashamed of the blessing. I'm not going to be ashamed of what is of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. I hope you got something out of this today. I'll talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you. He loves everyone else. And please don't forget to feed the ducks.